Hello and welcome to Across the Bifrost, the Mighty Thor podcast, where on each and every episode, we explore the world of Marvel's Mighty Thor. I'm your host, Ryan Doze, and this is our Valentine's Day episode, everybody. I'm so glad that you've chosen to listen to the show today. We are going to be talking about a very important form of love today, and that is the love of friendship, one that Thor is very familiar with because of his relationship with the Warriors 3. Yes, they are Asgard's favorite trio, and we are spotlighting them today with some special guests from Comic Geek Speak. Chris Eberly is back, and then first-time guest of the show, Ian Levenstein is here. Those two guys joined me for a fantastic conversation about the Warriors 3 that I know you're going to enjoy. But before we get into that, I wanted to give a shout-out, give a thank you to our two newest patrons. Yes, we have two new patrons on our uh, special bonus uh, exclusive site, Patreon. That is Josh and Will. They've been former guests. They are hosts on an awesome podcast called Systematic Geekology that I encourage you to go look out and check out. They are awesome and they are two newest members of the Thor Corps over on Patreon. So thank you guys very much for supporting the show. I hope you are enjoying the bonus material that you have access to over there on that site. That being said, let's jump into our conversation with Chris and Ian all about some of Thor's greatest friends. The three characters uh, that we are going to highlight today are Hogan the Grim, Fandral the Dashing, and of course, our guy, Volstag the Voluminous. They are three amazing characters, and we dig into everything that makes them great on this conversation with Chris and Ian from Comic Geek Speak. Enjoy. Well, everybody, I am very excited to be joined again by Chris Eberly from Comic Geek Speak and also another component to the Comic Geek Speak gang. Ian Levenstein is here. Uh, these are two guys I have I've told Chris last time he was on the show. I have listened to them talk about comics for hours, and now they get to join a chat that we're going to have about the Warriors 3. So, Chris, Ian, introduce yourselves, reintroduce yourselves to the audience. Tell them a little bit about yourself before we jump into this book. I think the component of CGS should go first. <laughs> yes. that, 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 I'm putting that on a business card, Chris. That's, that's, that's happening. Uh, yeah. Oh, um, uh, my, my name is Ian Levenstein. I've been podcasting for over 15 years, and uh, every single time I say it, it's hard to believe it's been that long at this point. But uh, had my own show for a while called Geek Speak, then found Comic Geek Speak and realized how original I was. <laughs> um, and then uh, went on and, uh, and founded the Comic Timing Podcast with uh, my co-host at the time, uh, David Price, who's now over at 11 O'Clock Comics, and uh, uh, Toby Cook. That then became me and Brent Casina and a rotating panel, and it's been me and Brent ever since. And uh, we, we still put it out at least like a couple times a year whenever we can over at ComicTiming.net. Okay. I've been, I've been a part of uh, CGS uh, now for, God, four years, I feel like. Oh, wow. It's three or four. Yeah. Three, three or four. Yeah. Because uh, I, I know like I started coming on in like 2018. So I think I officially became a geek sometime <laughs> in that general sphere. And, Sounds about uh, right. Yeah. Nice. And been, been loving it ever since. And, you know, it's it's good to be part of the team. Fantastic. Chris, oh, just, he, the... he gave me a chill again. I'm sorry, Ryan. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just going to say a little like a reintroduction for people maybe that uh, haven't checked out our Tales of Asgard uh, episode. Sure. 
So uh, my name is Chris Eberle. Uh, comics, for better or for worse, have been an enormous part of my life since I could read. Uh, I owned a comic shop uh, in New Jersey, Wildpit Comics, for 18 years. Um, I've been a member of the CGS podcast uh, since 2013, but known them long since long before that. And uh, I've always loved the Mighty Thor. Definitely here, I've you know fell in love with when I first started reading Marvel comics when I was a kid. So as always, I'm very happy to be here, right? And speaking of love for Mighty Thor, that's you guys know that's why this show exists. And uh, as Chris and I were doing the Tales of Asgard, mm-hmm. really came came became an even more bigger fan of the Warriors Three. They're already a phenomenal addition to Thor's uh, fantastic supporting cast. But this was the first time that those uh, three characters, uh, Volstagg, Fandral, and Hogan, had received their first series. They get this four-issue limited series in 2010. It had taken decades for them to get their own solo story. Do they have a story in Marvel fanfare? They do. Okay. Uh, I, I believe so. it's more of a Fandral story. Gotcha. Okay. So, and of course, that they're highlighted in backup stories and in yeah. uh, a lot of uh, anthology books. But this was like they were on the cover. This was yep. their book, and I really wanted to talk about this book because it's just a fun book. Like that for no other reason. They're great characters. It's a great fun story. And uh, say you're. Your interest in these characters is piqued by the movies or another Thor comic. You're like, I just want to see these guys. This is the perfect read. So before we jump into the actual issues, I wanted to know from Chris and Ian, what were kind of your introductions to these characters and and what about these characters kind of fascinates you or interests you? Levy Poo, hold forth. Well, I, I see my experience with Thor uh, is probably lower than, than Chris's just because... Um, I was, I, <laughs> well, not, not even not even that. Uh, like, I was a fan of like the Avengers, before, you know, long before the the movies and what have you. But like the individual series that the Avengers were in, it took me quite some time to actually really like get my footing on. Okay, um, I'd say after Heroes Were Born is when I started actually picking up the Thor comic, and I picked it up straight through pretty much although i'm way behind and haven't read most of aaron's stuff and i'm eventually gonna have to get my ass on that oh yes what, what comes after but uh it was it was jurgen's thor that, okay. that really got me into the character uh with the whole king of asgard storyline and all that and then uh jms's run Ugh. the uh the warriors three uh you know they were in it but they weren't like key factors, but I did get to appreciate the, the running relationship between Thor and the other Asgardians through that process. Okay. And, uh, and, and obviously the movies, I mean, you know, I mean, even though they didn't play as big a part as I would have liked in, in further iterations of the, yeah. of the Thor franchise, uh, you could get their, their jovial nature and their friendship. Uh, through those through those movies and and yeah. obviously the comics leading up to them so that's pretty much where i where i run from it okay eloquent as ever my friend <laughs> uh i've loved these characters since i was a kid um i remember you know reading silver age reprints and these three characters kept appearing um if not in the background or at least very much by thor's side and, and First of all, before I understood that they were modeled after the Three Musketeers, 
um, which I, I obviously realized as I got older. But what I loved was how different their personalities were, yet they all matched, and also just how entertaining mm-hmm. these characters yes. are. Most most importantly, Volstagg the Voluminous. Um, <laughs> the best. Or, as, the or best. as he would say, the Lion of Asgard. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm clearly Stanley and on every writer has so much fun with his dialogue. Yeah. Um, and, and how you know he's often there for comic relief, even though in the end he always comes through when he needs to. Um, and to concur with Ian, I thought in the films, even though I would have liked them to have more screen time, and I thought they were terribly treated with the way they were killed off in, in the, yeah. in the yeah. last Thor film. But um, yes. I didn't. That I thought that was a a, a o- gap. Almost, almost tossed away. Yeah, but the the scenes they were in. They, the creators of the films clearly got the essence of those characters. Um, and, and I remember there's an early scene in the first film where Volstagg is in majestic repose, just consuming like just hordes of food and fanfuls, you know, mock horrified at it. I was like, oh, they got it. And, um, <laughs> yes. You know, that, that I thought they did them justice with what they were and how they used them. I just wish they had used them more. But, I mean, again, the essence of it all is really when they're walking down that street in the first Thor film, and she looks like, uh, is there a Renaissance fair in town? We've got uh, Jackie Chan, Robin Hood, and Xena. So th- they got it. And it, it was really fun to see them come to life like that. Definitely. Yeah, the uh, li- like like gentleman said, like there's such an entertaining trio. They are, you know, like Chris said, modeled after the Three Musketeers. Uh, if you're familiar with Shakespeare, Volstagg is a Falstaff character where he's he's a, a comedic buffoon, and he really he really adds so much to any book he's in. Uh, listeners of this show know that a Volstagg is my guy. Um, he is my favorite supporting character. Uh, you know, I'm like really Volstagg. Yeah, Volstagg's awesome. So let's jump into this limited series. Uh, I'll tell uh, listeners this limited series lands in between two huge Marvel crossover events. It has really nothing to do with either event, but I just, for for those of you that want context, this limited series comes right after the Siege event, which ended the Dark Reign, Norman Osborn takeover of the Marvel Universe. So it's it's in the fallout of that, and it comes right before the fear itself, very Asgardian centric story. So at this time in Marvel Comics, Asgard is everywhere. And there's so much being put out that has to do with the Nine Realms and Thor and his uh, his supporting cast. The Warriors 3 four-issue limited series comes out at the end of 2010. So we're going to jump back to 2010, a few months before the first Thor film. And we are going to get this, you know, this adventure from these three friends as they take on the Fenris Wolf, which uh, either of you guys want to take a crack at me <laughs> describing the the Fenris Wolf, why he's important, you know, what, what he has to do with Thor. Oh, that's a Murd question. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. No, yeah. Murd, Murd would wax eloquently uh, and, and, and probably do so for about 15 yeah, minutes. He, on, he'd on get the... into the mythological basis of Fenris. Okay. Definitely. Um, which uh, frankly, I know very little about beyond just the kind of the basics you saw in, in the story. So Ryan, we're failing you here miserably. That that is perfectly fine. Perfectly yeah. fine. I am I am not failed uh, in, in any way. The Fenris Wolf is this uh, for for the Asgardians. The purpose of our story, it, he's an ancient uh, ancient foe of the Asgardians, where he goes and he he starts murdering whole villages of people, and he after he decimates one village, 
in uh, in ancient times he is held prisoner by by the Asgardians. And uh, at the beginning of the first issue, we find out that his murderous rampage has resumed. And the Warriors Three, along with some some of the army of Asgard, are dispatched to track him down and find out how he was set free and they're sent to stop him. So this first issue, we get an introduction to the Warriors Three. And what did you guys think of how they were introduced in, in this first issue? Well, first of all, I wanna thank you for um, suggesting reading this because I've never read this story. Okay. Before, and I, I knew it existed, but I had never read it. And I had forgotten that Bill Willingham wrote it. So when I saw that, I got Warriors Three and Bill Willingham. I was really excited to read this. Um, you know, any listeners who, who've read fables, they should be familiar with Bill Willingham and know that oh, yeah. he is tailor-made to write the story that we are going to talk about. Yes. Um, so I thought from the opening opening issue, it's clear that Willingham clearly understood each character. And what most excited me, I mean, he got the dialogue down pat. Oh, with all three so of them, perfectly. Because um, each of those characters has a very distinctive voice. Like Fandral's basically Errol Flynn, yep. like a swashbuckling character. And, you know, Hogan is like this almost pattern of like a, a Mongol, essentially. And, uh, you know, uh, Hogan the Grim. So each voice was very clear. But what really grabbed me, um, to go back to what you're saying with Fenris, was that William wasn't just, isn't just content to just tell like another fun Warrior 3 story. He also decides to use the Fenris as a device to explain how and why the Warriors 3 act the way they do how they, why they, they came together in a sense and why they have the personalities they have, which no one has ever done yeah. before this story. So yeah. what worked for me so well on two levels is one, it was a really just fun Warriors 3 story, but two, Willingham and, and, and company dive deep into why these characters are who they are. So I, I, de I definitely was not expecting an origin story. Neither you know, was I, I, I yeah. I, yeah. Go, going into this, like I fully expected it would just be, you know, like an adventure with the Warriors three, because frankly, I didn't think Marvel would let Willingham do that in a four issue miniseries. You know, that, that's, that seems like, that seems like something that would usually be much, much better fit for the, you know, Thor series proper where, you know, all eyes are on this, like, you know, in the, in this four issue, you know, arc, see the origin of, of the Warriors three and how they got to where they were or something like that. But instead it's built into this story. They do a really good job of building it. Yeah. It's, it's just, again, it took me for a loop. I was not expecting that direction at all. Yeah, the, and even the, uh, the origin of the Warriors 3, it, it sets the stage in issue two. We get to see you know, why the, the budding rivalry that Volstagg and Fandral had way back when, the initial encounter that the Warriors 3 have with Fenris way back when is a very it's a very simple uh, reason. Volsag and Fandral get in this this argument of of who who is greater, who is who is better, and the way they decide to determine who is better is who can pat the head of the Fenris wolf, and they need a they need a judge to go make sure that it actually happened. And Hogan draws the short short straw, and he goes with them. A completely different Hogan than most. Yeah modern fans would know of him he's very meek and uh he's called fair hogan uh he's the one that you know enjoys songs and he's singing sensitive. yeah he, he's very sensitive and uh he's not the hogan that we would come to know 
years later in, in, in Thor stories. This, I like that you guys hit on the origin story aspect of this because that origin leads to why they have to go after Fenris in the, in the modern telling of the story. So just a little bit of a, of a, a narrative uh, summary here, and then I'll, I'll jump into um, just a few things I wanted to ask you guys and, and kind sure. of bally um, about. Uh, the, uh, the secret organization AIM, the advanced idea mechanics, who, by the way, did not see them as a component of this story beforehand, <laughs> uh, would have been like, uh, are you sure? Like Modox guys? Um, and they show up and they decide that they're going to weaponize the monsters of Asgard. Seems like a pretty, pretty good plan until they actually encounter Fenris. And Fenris is the lord of the monsters in uh, in this you know area of hell, and they they try to use him in a way where they 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 try out an experiment on him, and then they're going to try and recapture that with other you know with other uh, test subjects. That goes horribly wrong, of course, and the warriors three are sent to go stop this this plan from happening. So when when Fenris is laying waste to to these you know Midgard you know towns as the story is progressing how did you feel this story added to the these guys' characters because they've been around for decades and I know we talked about their origin but as the story is unfolding what about these characters is kind of resurfacing or maybe you were you were revisiting the themes of these characters as we're as we're reading this well I think what was most um, engaging about what you're, what you're describing is that like when you talked about when they have like their tavern bet back you know so many centuries ago yeah. volstag does not look like the volstag we know no. he's cut he looks, he looks like a cut typical asgardian warrior and you know he still has the, the bluster and all that but he's a very physically a very different person and actually that's going to inform how he's acting and, and like you said hogan is totally different Fandril is, is still like the, you know, the cad and the, and the you know, the, you know, again, his the braggadocio, but yeah. What, what really struck me was, you know, they, they established this, this dynamic they had then. And then when they all go to this, to, to make good on their tavern bet, like you mentioned, what happens traumatizes them each yeah. in a different way. And, and again, the mark of a great writer, Willingham takes, he doesn't change anything. He just explores something about the Warriors Three that no one had really done, but he does it in such a way that it still dovetails nicely with the characters we know now. It's masterful. Yeah. Well, well I think I, I think what what uh, what works so so perfectly about the story is that he essentially, you know, by giving the origins of the Warriors Three, he kind of gives them an, an origin story similar to you know the version of Thor that we know. You know, one one that. Through through arrogance, winds up having to learn a very valuable lesson and redeem himself. And these warriors three were arrogant as heck at the beginning of oh my gosh, their lives yes. here. You know, like like it, it, because they're they're immature. They they had to learn how to mature. And little did they know it would be through trauma and essentially through trauma bonding, which is what they what yeah. they experienced here you know that's why they became the the three a day that they that they did because because of you know the 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 horrid events of of you know trying to uh pet the dog as it were um 
But I wanted to comment also on the on the artwork. Absolutely. Um, Neil Neil Edwards is the is the pencilist, kind of a Brian Hitch clone, but but not in a bad way. Um, because okay. I, I I got I got major Brian Hitch vibes, especially like his Fantastic Four run. Um, like when when the Fantastic Four show up at uh, you know for a couple pages. Read of Richards. Yes. Read of Richards. <laughs> yes. It, it, it certainly it certainly doesn't help that they're wearing their you know Miller Hitch uh, costumes, but definitely in facial expressions and and in action and in design aesthetic, I very much get a, a Brian Hitch vibe from the artwork. And that just helps what's happening with the Warriors Three even further because everything's everything is detailed, but at the same time not stiff. And, good point. And you read yeah. the the emotion on the page as they're going through what they're going through really, really well. Uh, yeah, man, I couldn't agree more on the the art. The the thing actually, <clears throat> I don't know if this is uh, this is a, a common or popular opinion. The thing I knew Neil Edwards from really the only thing of his that that is only artwork that I had seen before mm-hmm. was from his Spider Man season one book that they did the 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 season mm-hmm. one books. I really like when I was getting into comics as yeah. uh, as an older fan. The season one books were so great because yeah. they didn't require me to know much beforehand. And they kind of simplified it and abridged the beginning of these heroes' careers. So the Spider-Man one appealed to me because everyone loved, yeah, you know, everyone loves Spider-Man. So the Neil Edwards art in that was really the only thing I had known of him before this. But when I saw him on this book, I, I got excited because I enjoyed I enjoyed Spider-Man season one. Yeah, I've I've, I've read X-Men season one. I've never actually read Spider-Man season one, but now that I know that he that he drew it, uh, that's that's more of a reason for me to track it down. I think the other thing that I'm sorry, go ahead, sir. Go ahead. Go ahead. The thing that struck me piggybacking in our comments about how the events of Fenris changed them, then Willingham doesn't let that go. So when he goes back to the present day, like now we understand why Volstag looks the way he does and Mm -hmm. tries to lose himself in gluttony, basically. And and there's a great scene where they're in the pickup truck with with Helen. Yes. Hogan is ticked at the way Fandral is doing his typical, you know, come on. And you further understand why Fandral acts the way he does. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. each of them kind of retreated into this, their own version of, of how they can kind of wall off what happened or at least deal with it in their own way. Um, this, this, is, this, this, sto- this story is very deceptive because like you said, you kind of think, oh, it's going to be really fun. And it was. Yeah, yeah. But there was something else going on there too, which made it all the more effective. Yeah, your uh, your uh, reference to Helen Gable uh, leads me into the the next thing I wanted to ask. We meet an entirely new character in this story. Yeah, uh, we, she we, is a. <laughs> what did you say, Ian? I said we do, and looking up her her history uh, has not been used since. <laughs> That's what I was wondering about. Yeah, which is kind which of is a shame. She, she's she's a very endearing character in the yeah. in the time that we get with her. She's a former, she's part of the AIM team that goes and tries to capture the power of Fenris. And she is one of the, she's really the only one left who was experimented on using the shape-shifting, the power aspects of Fenris. And she comes to find out that she's now part as Guardian and she is distantly related to Loki. There's a small little panel <laughs> at the end of the book that's really fun. Um, not a great draw, drawing of Loki, but like no. it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, 
it's kind of a of a of a, a, a fun little panel to poke fun and it's really the only glimpse we see of Loki in this book um but her name is Helen Gable and she is uh she is a super powered warrior goddess now thanks to being imbued with some of the power of Fenris and I, I wanted to get your guys' opinion of her. Really, this is the only time we see her in Marvel Comics. What did you think of this character? And uh, what were just some of your takeaways from her being in this story? Go ahead, Leveru. So I, I, I like the character. And I like, I, I like what the character does to the Warriors 3, where essentially, you know, she's the, the woman that they're pining after uh, in, in, in certain aspects. So everyone but Volstagg, because Volstagg care less. <laughs> Um, but, but I, but I, I have a problem with characters that appear to be more important than they are going to be, um, which leads me to the question of, was Bill Willingham going to do more with this character? Was he going to do Mm -hmm. more for Marvel and possibly even with Thor and those plans fell through? Because this doesn't seem like a character you just introduce and then yeah, I agree. Yep. If, yeah, if, if you had further plans, um, because you're you know even if it's a throwaway line, like you're you're tying her into Loki at the end. Yes, um, and then nothing else ever comes of it. It's just it's just it's very it, it kind of makes the character unfortunately feel forced that way. And I know that's not what they were aiming to do because I it's not even that I don't enjoy the character. It's just that. It's a flash in the pan, and I hate flash in the pans. You know? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I share uh, L. Levenstein's uh, opinion there. What I would add to that is that what I found really interesting about her is that she's not a good person. Um, she's right. a murderer, uh, which by her admission, she talked about how she killed for AIM. Um, and, you know, She's an AIM scientist, so she's probably involved in all kinds of horrible experiments. And like they said, their job is they, they try to sell weapons technology to all kinds of ne'er-do-wells. Uh, her drunken rants about Hydra were tremendous, by the way. But um, um, that was I, lo- I, I love great the rivalry. Scene. But um, what I liked was that she's not a more heroic figure. Um, I mean, think about how they, they took the one member of their team and brought him along to be the sacrificial goat. goat to Fenris. So, you know, she's an AIM agent. So we have to remember that. Um, But I liked how her experience transformed her and obviously had an impact on her Mm -hmm. perspective on herself and what was going on around her. So like you said, like Ian said, it's a character like, okay, I want to see more. And she clearly created a love triangle between Fanville Hogan and her, which is the end. and like Ian said, that's just dropped. Like you never heard seen anything about that again. So yeah. it, it, it's it's a character that I found interesting, and I really would have liked to have seen what they're going to do with her. But say la vie. Yeah. But that was the other thing uh, Ian hit on this. That like, was there going to be more of this? Because it definitely feels like an introduction to something that could have been bigger. Um, I, I mean. Uh, Helen drops so many different like little like plot nuggets that like oh that could that could have been something like I mean the book literally ends on her mentioning what Chris just said the, right. the love triangle of her Hogan and Fandral that would have been entertaining like yeah. like seeing Hogan and Fandral fight over her for some reason like I, it would have been interesting but was 
did this feel like it, there was going to be more to you guys? I, I'm I'm wondering because uh, Marvel's done this and other other comic book companies have done this before as well. If this miniseries was itself a trial run, if 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 they they gave Bill Willingham the ball, you know, like and said, Bill, we know you haven't done a lot for Marvel. Uh, we have this idea of building out the Warriors three into their own ongoing. Uh, you know, they had their run on Journey in the Mystery when Karen Gillan was was a part of that book, and they, you know, were more you know front and center. Let's try a miniseries out. Let's see how it sells, and if it does well, then maybe we can bring you on for a, for a full a full series if you have the time and uh, to do, to do so. Um, again, completely spitballing here and making it up. It could very much not be true, but. You've seen we've seen this before. No, it's yeah. a plausible theory, of course. Yeah. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if that was the case. And unfortunately, it just didn't sell the way they wanted it to sell, or Bill, perhaps Bill Willingham became busy with other stuff and couldn't fulfill it. And you know, it just never wind up following up that way. Um, you never know. Yeah, I mean, the 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 it feels like the context of when this miniseries is coming out. I mean, Thor is about to hit the movie screen and there's a lot of Asgardian events going on. Uh, Thor's book is, is still happening. Like it feels like maybe, yeah, that was an attempt, a pilot uh, to say a pilot to maybe expand the Asgardians into other ongoing series. But um, I personally would have loved that, but you know, um, I'm, I'm going to love the Warriors three, no matter when and how we get them. So I want to go more specifically to the the, the last issue because the last issue is where really our our, our conflict culminates. Where uh, Fenris has this plan where uh, he's taken on human forms and he can take on human forms as long as he's devouring the next person he wants to shape shift into. That's how he taps into his uh, his uh, his low key like ability to shape shift, and he decides that he is going to detonate this bomb near Asgard and get rid of all the gods uh you know it's a very simple very simple plan and the warriors three have to uh they have to stop a train to uh to save Asgard this felt so wild west to me uh and it was it was so much it was so much fun um but that last issue we get I my and I'll I'll ask you guys like for your version uh, of this answer but my favorite panel of the entire uh entire limited series was when hogan swings his mace and decimates an entire train mm-hmm. it was so cool <laughs> loved it he, he calls it a, a steel serpent and it just it's the most uh, most incredible panel i i believe in the limited series and that what did you what was your guys did you have a panel that jumped out to you in this uh series maybe this last issue where our conflict kind of settles settles down well i i I, the one the one that really jumped out to me honestly was when they finally capture the beast uh you know when they when they use you know the essentially the invisible leash to uh (laughs) yes to to get him back back under control um and and really that that's kind of my favorite part of the whole thing you know that using using their their wits and their trickery to, yeah. to make it happen um proving that they're not just all strength they're also brains um and that and that and that's you know that that's one of the best parts of all this is watching them kind of evolve as characters and you know getting every single bit of them in the process so that 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 was that was pretty awesome 
And to add Ian's point, I mean, Fandroy was even alluding to his love of, of, of Midgard detective stories. Yes. To help, uh, help him along in how to crack the case, so to speak. Uh, yep. I don't know if I had a favorite. I mean, the panel you described, Ryan, was stunning. And I, it's always yeah. great to see when they remind us how powerful any of these Asgardian warriors are, not just Thor. Um, but, I mean, Thor is obviously a different class, but still, that was a yeah. thrilling panel. When they were... <laughs> When they were falling to earth, when their ship was destroyed, <laughs> and yes. she's her narrative, like her internal monologue, was really well done throughout the series. I mean, she's panicking about everything, and they're just like, "Oh, it's all right, you know, it'll hurt, but you'll survive when you hit the earth." You know, you're a god now, basically. And and again, just I remember thinking about, "I'm about to die," and they're like laughing about all this. Like she's still trying to figure out how to operate in this new reality. That yeah. She's, powers that she now has but um them crashing to earth and just Volta's like all right come on we got to get up and you know and, and, and I, I especially love the panel where he is tells Fenris to like just finish me off and then he, he he wants to remind everybody oh that was just part of the plan you know the line of Asgard would never actually cringe like that um, yes that whole sequence that 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 bat, like you said when when they got the invisible leash as Ian put it mm-hmm. Which, which is funny because you actually couldn't even see it because it was so yeah. so fine. <laughs> yes. um, but uh, it was all, it was, it was, it was they were bracing scenes. They were fun. My, my also favorite, my also second favorite part was uh, right when they catch the, you know, the, the bomb and the bomb is clearly the Death Star. Like that's- Right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So listeners, if you if you don't, we encourage you to go read this story. But if you want to picture the bomb that is that is, Fenris is planning on detonating it in Asgard. Just imagine a shrunken down version of the Death Star. Yep. That yep. like, they could not have been going for anything different. That was it. That oh, yeah. I mean, it's yes. Yeah, so if you want a little Star Wars with your with Thor comics, um, get it here. Uh, so guys, the the the. Conflict ends, the Fenris Wolf is captured again, and Asgard is saved. They have the Warriors Three and Helen Gable to thank. Uh, just closing thoughts of this fun limited series, you know, that really expands. Uh, I expanded my enjoyment of the Warriors Three and their stories and kind of like gave me that thought, like we were talking about a few minutes ago, what could have been, what, what might have been. Uh, but as we finish out this book review of of this limited series what were kind of your takeaways from this four issue limited series levy poo um well really you know and and thinking back to it now like realizing when this came out and you mentioned that you know it was right before the thor movie came out i i i'd kind of forgotten there was also a valkyrie one shot right around the time that this came out uh written by uh a friend of mine brian j brian j glass um, okay for 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 marvel and I think it kind of says to me that maybe they were actually like testing, testing things out and being like, which of these characters could possibly, you know, warrant their own uh, ongoing series for a four issue mini. This, this does a great job of telling a, telling a really fun and interesting story and, you know, giving us backstory that we'd never gotten before on characters that we've seen time and time again. Um, and that's what I like to see out of a mini series. I just wish that there was a little bit more. My, my only, my only complaint and it's my okay. complaint with with Thor comics in general, um, especially when reading them on Marvel Unlimited, as I learned the hard way. Okay. Um, do not use Marvel Unlimited's app in the browser because they do not give you the HD version of the of the comic, <laughs> and the fonts are impossible to read. 
Okay. And, and, and it's it's always kind of been like the sans serif font that they use for for Thor. It takes me double the amount of time to read a Thor comic than it than it does a normal comic uh, at times because of the font choices. Um, okay. And I get, I get why they're doing it, but I have to read it on on my on my iPad in order to actually get the full experience or read it in print because. Yeah, never doing that in browser Marvel Unlimited again. That was that was that was rough. <laughs> Steer clear of the browser then. Spring for the app or buy the book and have it in your hands. A hundred percent, yes. See, Chris, Ryan, what you? Well, first of all, what's what's splendid here is that you got full on Levenstein. You got you got the <laughs> so you got the technical outrage. You know, the, the, when the, the just the wrath over over you know a poor technical application. So. <laughs> Man, you got your money's worth here. It's Ooh. it's Ian's version of, of what Thor would say. Uh, someone suggested <laughs> Ian, you should read it on the browser, and Ian just says, "I say thee nay." Exactly. <laughs> you're damn right. You're damn right. Lesson learned. Lesson learned. DC Infinite knows how to do a browser uh, comic reader. Marvel, okay. not, not so much. Okay, not so much. Uh, I, I had a similar experience with Ian as Ian did. It, it was like I said earlier. It, it was it was. Really, I wasn't expecting how I should have because it's Willingham, but how engaged this book was on multiple levels, as I said. And I got every I got the Warriors three, all the typical fun adventure I, I would expect from those characters. And then I got, you know, double double the the, the uh, enjoyment because he took the time to delve deeper into the characters, which really isn't done that often with them. Yeah. So, if at all, so. Um, this was a really, a really excellent miniseries. I mean, a lot of miniseries are, are throwaways and, you know, they're all, all tend to be crossover tie-ins. I mean, for speaking yeah. myself, I just, I don't even read a lot of them anymore. I just, it's too much and I just get bored, but this, this actually advanced the characters. And again, to go back to Ian's flash, the pan comment, it's a shame they didn't go further with that, but knowing the way these companies work, Ian is probably correct in that movie was coming out and you see this with all the Marvel films, right? They, they kind of flood the market then for a brief period with different titles related to that particular part of the universe. And they did yeah. it there. And I'm not complaining because it was a great story. I just, again, wish that we had more with Helen. I forgot what Helen's Asgardian name is, but- um, Scattier. There you go. Yeah. I know you could count on you to pronounce that properly too. But um, <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, I would encourage listeners who who, who like the Warriors three in general, if you haven't read this, because I hadn't read it before, definitely read it. it it's it's one of the best war use of the Warriors three I, I've experienced in comics. Absolutely, yep. Well, gentlemen, thank you for joining me for this uh, book review of the Warriors three two thousand ten limited series. Uh, if you wanted uh, any, just for, for for my listeners on across the Bifrost, any uh, parting things about Comic Geek Speak or your personal projects, uh, feel free to plug them here and uh then we'll we'll sign off ian fire away uh yeah uh, you can check us out at uh, at comic geek speak and uh youtube.com slash comic geek speak uh, we usually record uh, uh at least once a week and then uh, post a video afterwards uh to the youtube and uh, the mp3s are there uh recent episodes i i'm this is i know it's coming out in a couple weeks uh, yeah. after the fact but uh we just uh, we just did a book of the month uh, club on Starman that I'm really proud of. Uh, yes. Issues uh, zero <laughs> through eleven of of the uh, seminal series that James Robinson did back in that back in the '90s uh, for for DC. 
Um, and uh, once this episode and uh, the next episode after that is a top five on uh, on George Perez uh, that, that awesome. we're also looking forward to doing. So, yeah, ComicGeekSpeak.com. And uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at I underscore AM underscore sci-fi. I am sci-fi. So, okay. Okay. Uh, guys, thank you again. Always enjoy these chats. Thank you, Appreciate sir. It. Uh, we had our own little Warriors 3 tonight, which was kind of nice. <laughs> I appreciated that. So uh, we will see you down the road, gentlemen. All right. Thanks for having us, Ryan. Adios. Thank you. Well, everyone, that is going to do it for the show today. I want to thank Chris and Ian for stopping by from Comic Geek Speak. I love that show. Love how they break down and talk about comics. And I knew you would enjoy this breakdown of the Warriors 3, a team of heroes that I just I get so much enjoyment from and I love them so much. So I wanted to share this conversation with you today. Another thing I want to share with you is a link in the episode description. Earlier at the beginning of the episode, I mentioned that we have two awesome new patrons on our Patreon account. They are enjoying some bonus material that I put up there on a regular basis. And you can do that too. For just a few bucks a month, you can get more content from across the Bifrost from myself, including our Patreon exclusive series, I've Got Issues, where I talk about the other things that I'm reading. So that is what I recommend for you today. Look at that link in the episode description, click it, become a patron and enjoy all the content that we have up there. That'd be a great next step for you. Also, we have some great episodes coming up. We are going to be revisiting our Jason Aaron Thor retrospective coming up soon. We're going to be talking about new comics. You can always join us on Thursday for our throwback series where we look at the history of Thor one issue at a time. We've got some great guests lined up for those episodes as well. Whenever, however you engage with us next, when you jump aboard the Bifrost for your next adventure through the nine realms, we are so excited that you're going to do that in the future, whenever you do, however you do that. So until that time that we meet again aboard this Rainbow Bridge, I encourage you, dear friends, listeners, friends of the Bifrost, to stay worthy.